You're listening to a sponsored episode on The Top Line. Victoria Summers is a principal at ZS and the East Coast lead for their patient health and equity accelerator. She has over 18 years of healthcare marketing experience working with life science companies to improve their performance and connection with patients. Victoria is featured in the book, Reinventing Patient Centricity, Bringing Patient-Led Business Models to Life, and is the host of the ZS podcast, Patient Centricity. Victoria, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So when we talk about engaging patients, it's usually from the perspective of providers or health plans and not necessarily life science companies. What role can pharma play in patient engagement? That's a great question. You know, engaging patients is uh, really challenging, especially as we have so many other ways of uh, getting information as media continues to grow and evolve. Um, It's really important for life sciences companies to reach out to patients and make sure that they understand the medications and the treatments that they're getting, that they provide the support that they need, that they answer their questions. There's really a a great host of different ways that um, the companies can engage. Um, And it really is important with so much distrust that exists um, among patients right now. Right. So what are some ways that pharma can make sure they get it right? So how can they deliver the right message and information that motivates and connects with patients? Uh, it's, you know, it's really a difficult um, you know, kind of challenge. Um, the, the very first thing that we typically recommend is that you, um, the companies need to understand how to put um, the information and the um, you know, content in language that patients can understand. Um, and sometimes that's difficult. There's a you know really strong regulatory environment that's important uh, to be in compliance with, and sometimes that um, encourages companies to um, maybe use more complex language or scientific terms because it is more correct. Um, but there are opportunities to to really push and to make information more accessible, and and that means accessible for all patients, regardless of their age or their um, educational level, um, whether or not English is their native language. There's ways that you can make the information uh, for patients easier to understand using um, simple language, using clear, short sentences. Um, And sometimes that means you have to to work more in partnership with some of the regulatory and legal experts to to find that right, um, you know, that right way to talk about this information, but um, incredibly important. We've been analyzed, you know, at ZS a lot of websites, and we analyze websites from a variety of different perspectives. But one of the things that we do uh, when we're taking a look at seeing if if patients can understand the information that's out there, and that life sciences companies spend a lot of time and energy putting out there, frankly, is just to take a look at the reading level. You know, what a, there's very simple kind of tests that you can put. It's their open source where you just kind of put your your website through a, a reading level, and sometimes we find that. While, you know, reading level of sixth grade and above, that's what the USA Today is published in. And we, um, that's typically a, a recommendation for um, online engagement uh, from a variety of different, you know, resources and best practices. But we often find with pharma, it's a 12th grade reading level and above. Um, the information is, is very complex. And using these types of terms and these complex sentences, it creates some confusion. And it makes it difficult for patients to really quickly get their questions answered. 
you know, we actually had the opportunity to to talk to some patients who were going to websites and trying to find information about the medications and treatments that they were taking. And it was interesting because we were really trying to understand how do patients feel about this information? How easy is it for them to find things? Um, and we, we expected to hear that patients were frustrated when they couldn't find something or that they were, you know, maybe a little irritated that they couldn't find what they what they wanted, or maybe it was presented in a way that was very complex or obtuse. But what we heard was interesting. We heard several patients make statements like, wonder what they're trying to cover up, or, you know, it's not very clear to me, so I wonder what they're trying to hide. And we didn't expect to hear that level of suspicion, but I think it's important for life sciences organizations to understand that when information isn't clear and accessible and, and easy to understand, there's, um, you know, there's a sense of distrust that is encouraged in, in that interaction. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like patients need a lot of information and in a, <laughs> and in a format they can easily access and understand. So how can pharma help patients learn what specific actions they can take relative to their disease or condition? Yeah, it's it's an excellent question. And, you know, a lot of research is done around patients and what they need at different points along their journey. But the really the pieces then the information and the tools that um, we find are, are of most impact with patients are those that allow them to take action to advocate for themselves. If we think about, you know, the information that uh, patients can get either through online or through, you know, different resources and advocacy organizations, a lot of times that information is kind of in the form of, of something that they can go and talk to their doctor about. You know, they can really, you know, understand how they might need to be, you know, tested for something, how a condition might appear differently in a certain, you know, gender or among people of color, and, and really trying to make sure that we've got information that allows patients to know what questions they should be asking their physician, what are the differences between different types of medications and methods of action, what are their support programs where they can go and, and register to get more help uh, from life sciences organizations. These are all great, great pieces of information. And, and it really is, some of the, the support that's offered is, is so incredibly important. I think that, you know, we oftentimes forget how difficult it is to have a, a chronic condition and trying to treat you know, yourself and, and your condition, as well as everything else that patients have going on in their lives, the way we all have things going on in their lives. I, um, I had a family member who is, was taking some, some pain medication and was um, decided not to take the medication because in the package insert, um, they read that there was a concern about having a side effect. And when I, when I looked at it, and of course, I had to sit down and, and to spend the time to, to read through the, the, the PI, it, was, it wasn't that it was an, you know, a side effect. It was a, a medic. They were describing an interaction that might be caused with a medication that might cause the medication to be less effective. Not that it was a side effect, but you know that was a that was a reason, and that was an interpretation that this um, family member had, and they they didn't take their medicine. And so, when we think about the types of things that patients need, it's oftentimes not just the patient; it's also all the all the all the care people and and loved ones in their community um, that need information that that's clear and easy to understand as well. What about health equity? How does that play a role in patient engagement? Yeah, that is definitely of high 
priority for just about every life sciences company. I think right now we hear a lot of you know interest and, and activity around health equity and trying to close some of the gaps that exist right now in, in the global healthcare system. You know, when we think about kind of filling that care gap for for marginalized um, individuals, it's a systemic problem. What's really interesting is that even though that that feels like such a, a large and you know and difficult problem you know to solve, we do find in, in a lot of the research that we do that solutions really great solutions are, are kind of already there. You know, being able to, you know, have a, a support program that it can help explain medication, you know, dosing to, to patients or, you know, office staff that can take the time to talk through programs that, um, that can help patients afford their medications or maybe walk patients through a, you know, a, a complex process to get their medication approved by their health insurance company. There's there's just so many programs and, and services out there that can really help patients. Sometimes they're just not aware of them, though. So there's lots of things that our pharma and life sciences organizations can do to, uh, to reach out to marginalized communities. We often see a great benefit to, to co-creation. And co-creation means that you don't necessarily sit in a room and with all the research on a particular group of people and, and create for them, you invite them into the room too. And, and you have members of that community and, and, and patient advocacy groups sitting with you to create solutions together. And we found when, whenever we do that kind of work that we, you know, that it, it's so much, you know, more valuable than, than simply, you know, trying to, to come up with something and then taking it to the community and, and showing it to them and seeing if, if we got it right. Having them in the room, in that conversation, it just makes things, you know, so much richer and it makes the the tools and the the solutions that are created so much more impactful. We've actually, you know, decided to create kind of a a, a group here at, at ZS where we've um, asked and invited patients to be a part of a a continuing group that that advise us every day um, on how we can learn more and, and get their perspective and bring their their point of view into all of the work that we're doing. And we also have a human-centered design lab that's doing, you know, the same type of thing and applying some of those great kind of user experience and human-centered uh, design thinking. Um, into our solutions because it's it's really interesting that the patients will carry you know a lot of their experiences that they have outside of healthcare into the healthcare setting. So really understanding how to meet those expectations, it's it's really hard to understand. It's it's, it's almost impossible to capture that wealth of 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 experience and expectation unless you bring them into the room with you. So from what you're saying, engaging patients from a pharma standpoint isn't a one and done activity. No, no, we really don't believe so. It's it's. To be a truly patient-led, it's it's an ongoing process, um, and I, I think that there's you know a lot of work that still needs to be done. But but that work can be done differently than maybe we've in the industry done it in the past, and and more collaboratively. Thinking about you know different advocacy organizations, um, you know we've got a lot of work that we do at ZS on encouraging diversity in clinical trials. And we, you know, have invited people throughout the pharma industry to come and talk about these issues. And, and what's been great is that there is a lot of heart for coming together and sh- openly sharing what's worked and what hasn't worked to advance the thinking in these important areas. So it's really, you know, I think kind of a, a, an interesting time and an exciting time to be in the life sciences. So for our, our listening audience, what are some initial steps that a company can take to have an impact now? Very good question. I think that, you know, if you're going to start anywhere, I would just start in reaching out to the patients themselves and to to see what you can do through either partnership with patient advocacy programs or even through uh, co-creation sessions just to bring the patient perspective into some of your marketing development and, and decisions. You know, and, and then the second thing is 
very easy. Just when you are doing research, when you are going out and, and talking to patients or doing, you know, qualitative interviews or quantitative studies, just make sure that you're recruiting from a diverse population. Uh, make sure that your recruiting partners have panels that include patients um, of different backgrounds, ethnicities, different areas of the country, different educational backgrounds, different income levels, different native languages. And, and when you can, look outside of the typical engagement approaches and think about, uh, you know, the, the science that exists, the social, um, you know, psychological sciences with applied behavioral insights and all the biases that we that we have to deal with, um, you know, sometimes really, you know, engaging and providing information, you have to think about the way it's going to be received and think about all of the different, you know, kind of, you know, challenges and bias and, and preconceived notions we all have when we're, we're taking, you know, information into account. And then the, the last thing I'll, I'll say that we, that we talk a lot about is this idea of shifting the mindset in life sciences from return on investment to really measuring patient outcomes. And so we sometimes talk about patient outcomes and impact as POI. So from ROI to POI and, and really thinking about what impact are, are we having on patients' lives. And, and it sounds like a, a big thing to measure, but we find that there's lots of places to start. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a you know, a significant program. You could start very easily just saying like how, um, you know, if we provide information to um, help patients afford their medications, let's measure how quickly they're able to get access to their treatment. So that might be one, one measurement. And you can grow from there, but it's just kind of important to, to start in a certain area and, and to start getting some of that data and starting to, starting to measure that. Victoria Summers, thank you for sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. 